0: Hello, Woodlane community. This is Pastor Brian, and you are listening to the Woodlane Worship Podcast, Episode 045. If you are listening to this, you are an honorary member of our community where we seek to bring the presence of Christ to those around us. On this week's episode, we kick off a new worship series called The Star. Part of the Christmas story involves three men we know as the Magi or the Wise Men. They are led to travel over a thousand miles by foot and camel to worship the baby Jesus. Along the way, I'm guessing they had some questions. We'll explore some of the possible questions over these next few weeks, starting with a biggie. Can this trip be worth it? Maybe you've asked that question in your own life. Let's see what kind of answers the Bible might have. If somebody asked you to start a brand new business from the ground up, I'm guessing you might have a couple of questions as that conversation would start to go on. What kind of business am I trying to do? What's my startup capital? If I was actually a businessman, I might have a few more, but I don't, so I'm going to stop there. If you were asked to fly a 747 from here to London, most of you, I know there's a couple that could probably do it, most of you would probably have a couple of questions. You want me to do what? (laughs) No problem. I said a couple of people might be able to handle it. or if we're taking on something big, I'll put it that way, it stands to reason it, it helps if we have some of the facts up front. So we ask questions. It, it's one of those truths that I believe has probably stood the test of time across humanity. Something big comes up, we, we want to go in prepared. We want to go in kind of knowing what's going to happen. Well, in this series, we're going to break into the star. We're going to focus on one character, really, of the Christmas story, the wise men. Because they were asked to take on something pretty big, traveling probably about 1,200 miles across the desert, following the star to meet the baby Jesus. Granted, their story comes after the Christmas story, or after the birth story and all that, so I get that part. But some of the same questions that they might ask we might want to ask too. might come up as we get ready for this something big within our faith, the Christmas story, the birth of Jesus. And so if you're not familiar with the story of the wise men or the Magi, I'm going to read it to you. This comes out of Matthew 2, verses 1 to 10. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at at its rising, and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for it has been written by the prophet, And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men, and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word, so that I might also go and pay him homage. When they heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star, that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. God, in this season of anticipation, help us to be transformed. Help us to ask these questions that the wise men may have asked, and allow it not to just be some intellectual exercise, but something that changes us. From the inside out. Amen. Well, how this whole thing came together, I'm going to kind of explain this, just so you know sort of how this is is piecing together. Thank you, first off, to Consistory for helping me to do this, because we were talking about Advent, and we were starting to ask some questions. And we narrowed it down to the idea of, well, who would be asking questions? And the wise men came up, and questions started coming out so fast. As fast as I can type, I could not keep up. I had to tell people, slow down, I can't keep up with you. Again, they're being called on to something huge. So what kind of things would they want to know going in? Let's take this up even to the 21st century. You know, we have so many things that the season brings on. I got lists to, to fulfill, I got parties to go to, I got parties to plan, I got cookies to bake, I got da 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 da. Why is this baby anything special that I should add him to my list of to do's? In the season, ditch the cookies, ditch the, the parties, and all that. Jesus should be at the top of your list. Again, mic drop, boom. There it is. <laughs> Sorry. No, don't be. Please do my job for me. <laughs> Consider the something big these guys are, are being called to is traveling across a desert some 1,200 miles to give worship to a baby. If I'm going to travel 1,200 miles today in the land of planes, trains, and automobiles, it better be a pretty special baby, let alone to go across the desert 2,000 years ago. So it's the first question we're going to try and break down. What is so unique about this baby? Will this journey, will this baby make a difference? Will it be worth it? Well, the passage we're going to use to, to kind of break that down, we're going to sort of launch out from that Matthew passage and ask some of these questions and then explore some of the passages that might answer it. So it might not always stay in Christmas stories or Christmas passages, but today we will. So look at John 1. and we'll break it down. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him. Now without Him, not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and that life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. And there was a man sent from God, whose name was John. He came to witness, as a witness to testify to the light, so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. The world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood, or of the will of the flesh, or the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh, and lived among us. So we have seen his glory, the glory as of the Father's only Son, full of grace and truth. John testified to him, and cried out, This is he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks ahead of me because he was before me. That's a lot to handle, but this is the word of God. Thanks be to God. So, like I say, a lot to swallow there. And there are a lot of theological black holes that I could fall into as we explore this whole idea. So I'm going to try and keep this a bit high level. So forgive me for not diving in too crazy deep, because even Alice doesn't know how deep that rabbit hole goes. But what makes this baby worth a 1,200-mile jaunt across the desert? What makes this baby worth adding one more thing to your list of stuff to think about this season? We'll start off with the first one. First off, the Word was God. I would see out of verse 1 from John 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now let me say at the outset that the Word equals Jesus in a very simplified kind of way of, of defining it. We believe that God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all existed before the first Christmas. So we often refer to the pre-Christmas Son as the Word or the Logos, which is basically the term for Word. So Word is kind of like a title. Jesus is a name. But the terminology isn't random. I mean, consider what Word is in our language. What does it do? It's an expression of a thought. You might call the Word of the Logos or the Logos, the complete message of God. As Paul says in First Thessalonians uh, 2.13, where he says, we also constantly give thanks to God for this, that when you received the word of God that you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but as it really is, God's word. Jesus completely embodied that message. He's the total package altogether. But Jesus is not just the message, but he's a 100% God on top of it. Now, the ideas and the passages that support this abound in scripture. But some of the clearest come in the trial that Jesus partakes in right before his execution. So we see in Matthew 26, uh, the late parts, starting with verse 62. It says, the high priest stood up and said, have you no answer? He's saying this to Jesus. What is it that they testify against you? But Jesus was silent. Then the high priest said to him, I put you under oath before the living God. Tell us if you are the Messiah, the son of God. And Jesus said to him, You have said so, but I tell you, from now on you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothes and said, He has blasphemed. Why do we still need witnesses? You have now heard this blasphemy. Jesus was basically killed for saying that he was equal with God the Father. Big no-no back in that time. Not something you say unless there's a screw loose in your head or you can back it up. So why does this idea matter? because it's the only way Jesus could really complete his mission here on earth. So once and for all forgiveness could only come from a perfect sacrifice. Hence why we have all the Old Testament rules about what kind of offering was acceptable in the sacrificial system, which is so heavily defined. But God is the only one who is perfect. In everything that comes after Christmas, the teaching, the cross, resurrection, and faith, none of it matters unless the word was with God and the word was God. I'd say that qualifies him as a little bit unique. But there's more here. The word was also life. As we see out of John one four. in him was life, and life was the light of all people. This is one of my favorite ideas from John 10.10, that he came that they might have life abundant. We see this put side by side with light. Now I could expand on this, but the ideas are related. So how? Well, back to the beginning, you know, before Christmas, we've already established that as God, the word was there at creation. That's when light broke into darkness physically. And the same thing happens in a a spiritual sense, where sin and darkness and death are all related. And Jesus as life would break into the death that sin had created. So why does this idea matter? We experience that abundant life. It still depends on Jesus being life. We don't get rescued out of sin and say, okay, Jesus, we're cool. I'm all done with you now. Last week, we sang a song, Abide With Me. And that's where our life comes from. Staying close to Jesus, abiding close to Jesus all through our life. But there's even more. The Word became flesh out of verse 14. And the Word became flesh and lived among us. And we have seen His glory, the glory as of a Father's only Son, full of grace and truth. This is something that makes not only Christ but Christianity unique because every other faith that I, system that I know of, man is trying to reach God. In Christianity, it's different because God reaches down to man. That's the Christmas story right there. As we close out these Advent services, we'll be singing, O come, O come, Emmanuel. That's what we're singing, O come, God with us, God with skin on. So why does that matter? First off, nothing I've said takes place if Jesus stays afar, if Jesus stays off in a distance. But secondly, it demonstrates God's love for us, that even though we were in darkness, Jesus offered us his light. Even though we were far from perfect, Jesus offered us his perfection. He took on flesh so that we could take on life. See, this just scratches the surface of Jesus' unique nature and the difference that it would make to worship him. But even this little bit puts each of us at a crossroads. Here's the next steps that I want to give you for this week. Sometime each day, I want you to ask yourself, how would my life be different if Jesus were really unique? Imagine what it would look like if we lived out the answer to that question. If this unique Jesus made a difference in our lives. I'm guessing the wise men's lives were different after they met Jesus. How about yours? Thanks again for listening to the Woodland Worship Podcast. I hope we've given you something to make you think... If you'd like some more information about our community, check us out at woodlanechurch.org or visit our Facebook page at Woodlane Newark. If you happen to be in the Finger Lakes area, come check us out live on a Sunday morning at 9.45 a.m. See you next week on the Woodlane Worship Podcast.